disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I wanna copy! You, 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 you are now tuned in. Five, four, three, two, one. Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Rob and Ace Unlimited. Hey, welcome back. We're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, officially into February. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Of course, if you are subscribing wherever you're listening right now, definitely, we thank you. But also, if you haven't yet and this is your first show with us, welcome. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. How's your week been? Absolutely great. How about you, bud? Well, I mean, outside of all the local rain that we've been dealing with, uh, it's been crazy, like busy. But I, I, a little piece of my childhood died this week when Cindy Williams passed because I was the biggest and still am the biggest Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, like American Graffiti, like all the stuff. (laughs) Right. Which I didn't learn until this week what that even meant because – I, I had to Google it because I'm like, after all these years, I should know, you know, in my fifties, what my favorite, you know, TV shows are throwing at me. But I mean, that show, I mean, I was in fact, like I wanted to be Fonzie as a kid. And so like his connection with that cast and how it was a spinoff, you know, and, and became successful. I'll never forget the, the Beatles when they moved to California and they had the Beatles that they would kiss their faces as they were running out the door to go to work every day. I just thought that was great. Those are the things that are impressionable on a little six-year-old me, you know? Well, and we watch Speed Racer. We have that in common. And very few people won't even know what that cartoon is. Yep. <laughs> but I love it. I tell you, the thing I miss about shows that we grew up on, like today, you don't have great theme songs. Like, That's like, we, true. like we could bond generationally with total strangers. You could just break out into the <laughs> Flintstones in the middle of Walmart and everybody will start singing with you. But those are the things that you don't get with shows now. It just, you know, the credits roll and bam, the show has started. You know, they, they hook you in with some car chase or something and you're like, <gasps> you know, but anyway, it's, it's a generational difference, but we'll be all right. And then of course the rock and roll hall of fame nominees for the 2023 cast. I'm still bummed. The monkeys did not get nominated. Why the white stripes got in before the monkeys. I I, I feel like are that's the a monkeys Twitter. Rock? A, Is that a mean thing to yeah. say? But are the monkeys rock and roll? I mean, they were the original music video. I mean, before okay. there was an MTV, you had them <laughs> running around their apartment with, you know, Hey, hey we're the monkeys. You know, so it's, it's been a very emotional week, needless to say. I'm but so sorry. I digress. You know, <laughs> I have a hot date with my wife tomorrow night going on, so I can't complain. So so you're in a really happy space, and I I like the new sweater. That's that's quite lovely. It's amazing what you can order that comes to your house. You're like, okay, I'm going to give this a (laughs) shot, and you know, because everyone else was doing. I was like, all right, let's find the bro box. Where's the bro box? And so the sweater is the first of that. That's fancy when they pick out your clothes for you when they come to the door. That's (laughs) my wife's going to be mad that I let a total stranger dress me, but I won't let her dress me. (laughs) So we might be in therapy soon. Pray for us. <laughs> some signs that we are growing closer to Christ. I know we all want that, but some of the signs aren't so fun. And we'll start with the number one sign, being persecuted for the gospel. I used to hear people talk about, well, it's the devil, the devil's man. And I would think, well, everything can't be the devil. But yeah. you know when he is prowling around trying to cause trouble right as you're trying to do something. I mean, even mm-hmm. with this little podcast, 
He doesn't want it to happen. And I'm yeah. talking about the enemy. Yeah. Well, and the thing that we've learned, and maybe you've learned this too, is that, you know, in your infancy of the next phase of your walk with God, the enemy's always going to be trying to squash it, you know, because he wants to remind you of your past or he wants to remind you of, you know, how much work it is to follow the Lord, because it is a lot of work, but it's totally worth it because that's where you find your peace. That's where you find your healing, grace. That's where you find great, deeper relationships. Another sign is being more sensitive to sin. And I remember at first it would be like, oh, I would mm. just feel terrible. And I wasn't really entirely sure why. And then after some study learning that we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's like making the Lord sad when you're in the middle of sin. And why is that? It's not to be full up with rules. And when you don't do the rules, it's all over. Mm. It's to be more Christ-like does make life better. And it's yeah. harder to do that when you're in the middle of sin. Well, and as a musician, I kind of equate as we grow in Christ the same way that a musician learns how to play an instrument and with each level that the more they practice, the better they get. And then one day they're just a prolific you know, guitarist or drummer or singer or whatever. And that's the same thing with your walk with God. You'll never fully, truly understand everything about him. But the closer you get to Jesus, you want to be closer. And the more it makes sense and you see that your heart to serve others and to have empathy for others, that's when you know that Christ has taken over because the way you used to think is gone. Another yearning is to be with the body of Christ during COVID and Wayne's cancer treatments. If he got COVID, it was going to be very, very bad. And yeah. so we didn't go to church in person. We watched online. But I, I'll tell you what, I have a new just vigor about being in the body of Christ, being at church. It's like a yearning. It's like I cannot wait. And yeah. I know you're in church more than anybody I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing two <laughs> services every Sunday, so, you know, I get my fill. But I know something else that is deep yearning for both of us is the power of dating our spouses. I know that, like, date day is a very real thing in the Richardson household. If, if anyone <laughs> follows you on social media, they can't wait for that Roxanne post at the end of the day. Or they get up on Sunday morning and see, you know, like three adventures in one. How, how you do it and don't need a nap. <laughs> In the middle of it, I'll never know. I can even bring an outfit and a wig change. It's just a little theatrical. What can I say? I, This part of my life is such a joy and a delight. We try to do new things and be very deliberate about that and really focus on each other and not allow anything to get in the way of that, to really protect our time, to not just tolerate the person that you've been married to, but to really be so right. in love with them and to keep that alive. And research shows it's a great thing to do, but you must be deliberate about it. A lot of people have a particular date night that mm -hmm. they keep. We try to do Saturdays. Now that our schedules are a little mixed up, date day could be on a Wednesday, but, right. but we're deliberate about it. And I know you are as well. Yeah. I mean, ours is, we, because of moving schedules, it doesn't always work that way for a particular day, but we at least try to do one a week, even if it's at home when we know the kids are either going to be with their friends or they're just kind of, I mean, they're tweens and teens, so they're kind of in their own world. So sometimes we're home and forget they're even there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it kind of makes it easy when we're having time together. But like our date tomorrow night, we've already set uh, anniversary slash Valentine's date 
for a week away and, you know, can't wait. You know, it's it's one of those where when you have something to look forward to in the midst of a busy week, time with your spouse should be somewhere in that mix, even if it's, you know, right after dinner and you have a couple hours before bed. But making that time and making the most of it is what really helps you to grow closer. Well, you know, Ace, I am obsessed with TikTok. I really love it. And there is a trend that we must talk about. It's called birthing makeup. It is the new thing where a makeup artist is in the room and right before a woman gives birth, I mean, they wait till they're fully dilated to have fresh makeup done by a professional. Okay. And film it. And then show the baby. And you think, who's doing this? Well, Heidi Montag, 36 years old, reality TV star and media mogul, only 12,000, 12 million rather, views of her makeup session right before the baby was born. See, I didn't even know that makeup <laughs> trend, like, like TikTok was the place to get the trends until... There was a I don't I don't even know who it was, but my adult daughters were like totally jealous that this one city had a particular influencer there to give tips. And and they showed the line on like you could watch the live stream and people were around the corner like it was the Batman premiere. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, it's just makeup. You just put it on your well, face. I, you know, I'm I'm fairly obsessed with makeup, so I understand that to me, a great outing would be to go to Sephora or Alta and just, you know. And look sure. around, but but some nurses report it being a bit irritating. They they want they know okay this is so so fun, but you know you have a makeup artist in the way. We're trying to get a baby birth, right? But for the most part, people don't have a problem with it. One lady in the article that I read said, "Why? I have just really kind of suffered to get the child here. I'm going to look however I want, and the last thing I'm thinking about is to put some lipstick on." So I thought, what did I look like at that time, and was I thinking about lipstick? So, oh, for those of you who cannot see YouTube because we're on YouTube, there is a photograph, and I very clearly have some very bright lip gloss. <laughs> look at little Hannah; she's so cute, <laughs> and so. I, and I remember people saying, did you have makeup on when she was born? And I thought, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, and I think it's okay. I think the nurse, <laughs> when my daughters were born, the nurse turned off the music of the special mix CD that I had put together. So I was like, so I can't even imagine if a makeup artist had tried to work her way into the room. <laughs> I go, uh, I'm sorry. We don't have time for, you know, shining the cheeks. I was like, mm. so, but if you can make it happen, I mean, I feel like it's, it's like, you got to talk to the doctor ahead of time. Like when you're doing the ultrasound, Hey, think. how do you feel? I have an influencer. Well, and, and another little known secret that is now going to be out. My dad had a little pug and his pug, Annie was well in the room with us. Let's put it that way. What? So Man, I know you had, you had time to sneak in a dog, put on some lipstick and have a baby. <laughs> I need a nap just thinking about all those three things. So some tips as to what to do when life seems overwhelming. And I think a lot of us, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. I mean, mm. we all think about how crazy things are right now. A couple of tips about that. Don't worry about what people think of you. 
I mean, I, I will say it is the Gen X way of thinking, but it's I think it's becoming more and more contagious because now because of social media, we're constantly putting our opinions and our lifestyles out there and people immediately want to judge every little thing that we're doing whether they're filtering it through faith or just filtering it through fear, you know, why would, why would you do that? You know, or whatever, or, or maybe they're jealous because you have the finances to do something that they don't. But if you don't celebrate the adventure of being comfortable in your own skin and then taking time and in the, what they call treat yourself, you know, if you don't <laughs> do that, whether it's, you know, makeup and, and hair, or it's, movie and popcorn, or it's a day at the record festival or whatever, you know, go see your favorite band. I mean, people laugh at me because like, you go to the movies by yourself. I'm like, heck yeah, yeah. I go by myself. Cause sometimes I don't want to argue with other people about what movie are we going to see? I want to go see what I want to see. And I'm unplugging so that I can decompress from the week and then be ready for what the new week's going to bring. Which by the way, a, a man named Otto, oh, Tom so Hanks. Good. Oh, I just, weeped uncontrollably. So invest in yourself. That's what you're saying. Do the things that bring you joy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be going to the Unleash the Power Within conference that uh, Tony Robbins puts on, not in person because he does those in Fiji, but it's an investment in me. I really want to be personally the best I can be. And I, I really want our business, our home business to thrive. And I always want to grow and learn. So I'm super excited about that. And I think that's a way to deal with overwhelm is really invest in you. That helps. Uh, You're the only person that can define your happiness. You know, in other words, row your own boat, Uh, Mm -hmm. tackle the hard work first. And this is something you and I have in common. You know, I read a business book called Eat That Frog. It's like, Get that big looming thing, tackle it first and then do the other things. Yeah. Well, in in our house, we've adopted the phrase, current me is taking care of future me. So if it's little things like, you know, prepping the coffee or showering so that the next morning is a much smoother transition or doing the big thing at work so that when you get in the next day, it's more of a lighter morning. You can talk with your coworkers and, you know, not feel like that you've got to get right in and get right on that big task. But then future you is thanking past you because you're like, thank you for taking care of me because <laughs> I didn't want to do this project or whatever. Because it, it, the life-work balance is also the work-work balance. How much do we, you know, when you're waiting on someone else who may be a part of something, you're waiting on their part to get done. Well, what can you do in the meantime while you're waiting on those parts? And then it kind of lightens the load a little bit. Things that all great friends do. Just be Ace McKay and it's all solved. That's all (laughs) I've got to say. I don't know about that. They go deeper. They don't have surface conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're sharing, the person is genuinely interested and compassionate and understanding. I think that makes it. A surface relationship with a friend, why? Well, and you and I also come from the school of friends who left and friends who thought we were friends and then they don't stab you just in the back, but in the front and on the side and in your head. I mean, and when you've been through that, you start to learn to treasure who your real friends are. I mean, it's it's crazy for me to think about having, you know, two or three really close friends that I've known my whole life 
and thinking about all the other friends that I thought were, you know, my besties, but they're gone or they did something to portray that relationship. But, you know, I, I heard this week and I can't remember if it was a pastor or if I was reading it somewhere, but God takes people out of your life because he hears conversations we don't. <gasps> Ooh. And I was like, that's so good yeah. because we're like, oh, I want to hold on to this person. Let's make amends. No, actually, they're having they're talking about you to other people or to themselves in their own headspace. And God's like, nope, this is toxic. You know, gift of goodbye is right there. If you Google T.D. Jakes, uh, the Bishop Jakes and his essay, The Gift of Goodbye, mm. uh, so good. You know, not to be rude and just never talk to people again, but but just not everybody is meant to be in every season of your life. Good things about friends, they call out our greatness. You know, some friends, you just leave them and you're so encouraged and you yeah. feel like you could do anything. Mm -hmm. And you just leave thinking, oh, I don't want to ever leave them because this is so great. Yeah. Isn't well, that a goal? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the thing too, and you know, when you and I started our show five years ago, friendship was the goal because your relationships are what people are looking at that they then judge their relationships on. Well, I wish my marriage was like so-and-so's, or I wish my, I had good friends like so-and-so, or I wish I was close with my cousins like so-and-so. I mean, people are watching how you interact with people. And for those that have a relationship with Christ, your relationships are a reflection of him through you and through them. And we actually posted a meme this week that I think easily says the most about the friends I have the deepest connection with is I'm thankful for the friends that I have based on music because music brought me those friends. We have a lasting relationship. Hey, did you hear the new so-and-so album? Or, hey, I just downloaded, you know, check out this song. Like connections on things of faith, music, food. You know, it's not always kids and age. Like sometimes I'd rather connect with someone 10 years older than me because our album collection looks the same than the fact that, you know, someone next door has kids the same age. Like th th there, sometimes we try to connect in ways that don't match. And it's nice to have people that are about five years behind you and five years in front of you so that you've got someone that's investing into you. And then you've got someone that you're investing into because, you know, you've been there, you've seen some things and you're like, yeah, when I was your age, I did that. And here's what happened. So be careful, you know. That's that's perfect. It, it's so true when you have that connection with somebody, whether it be music or or you get together and you're I've got friends that are foodies, you know, and we'll mm -hmm. go try different things. So it's really fun. Speaking of friends, those who were such a part of this podcast and have supported it and gotten excited about it, we thank you. And so mm. periodically we're going to be doing some giveaways and it's super fun. And one of them involves mybrotherscup.com. Yep. Uh, they have the Roxanne blend of coffee that I got to choose how it would taste. And it's, oh, it's <laughs> so good. And we're going to be giving some away. Yeah, so if you go to either RoxanneAndAce.com or to our Facebook page, you can then link through to our site, and literally you'll get, this at the end of this month, we're doing a drawing for a Roxanne blend and also the Roxanne and Ace Unlimited coffee mug. And what I'm loving is as the entries are coming in, not only are people talking about how much they've been loving the show, but these are fans of the coffee. Like, I think <gasps> they want the coffee more than they <laughs> want the mug. 
<laughs> so, you know, p- people from uh, Clifton to Marie to Stephen to Lisa, Deborah, Cynthia, these are all entries that have given some support or they've just said, hey, I really want this prize. So <laughs> they're very transparent in that. So make sure through the month of February that you do go to the website and uh, get involved. You can easily sign in, just email and name so we can contact you at the end of the month. And then also know that if you subscribe to us on any or all platforms, you won't miss future episodes. You can even call in and leave voicemails or text messages through the week at 659-236-1300. That's 659-236-1300. And of course, we thank our friends at My Brother's Cup for being a part of Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. They they love us and we love them. All right. One more thing before we go. Eddie Murphy talking about he would do a Shrek and be Donkey again in a heartbeat. He thinks Donkey is so much funnier than Puss in Boots. And, yeah. and that has been nominated for an Academy Award. And he's a little upset because he thinks Donkey is funnier than Puss in Boots. I would totally 100% agree. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the way he says Donkey. I can't even do it right. But it's donkey. so funny. Don- it's so donkey. funny. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, and I love this because, you know, when Eddie Murphy started his career, he was very crass and you know, very, you know, lots of expletives. But he, as he became a family man, he became more of that family-friendly comedy. So, like, from Daddy Daycare on, he was just in that mode, and he's got, like, a million kids, and so everything now Ten. is... And yeah, yeah he, he's in that <laughs> frame of mind. But it's so... Like to to think about how much he himself has impacted comedians who now are on the more saucy side of comedy. Uh, but and now he, I call him like the current day Bill Cosby because you know Bill was he was the the family friendly one when Eddie was dirty and now you know nobody talks about Bill Cosby uh, except this show. Uh, but then Eddie, <laughs> he's right there on the front of it. So you know I I I've always been a fan. So he could reboot. They're gonna he's doing the next. Um, Beverly Hills Cop, which is going to be coming out in like a year or so. So whatever that looks like, like Eddie Murphy could be on the screen. I'm coming. I'm coming. I got my popcorn. I'm coming. (laughs) It's going to be good. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, as we love each and every week to bring you special stories and testimonies, people being very transparent. You know, when when you're asked to be on this show, Roxanne, uh, you guarantee you're going to have to spill your guts just a little bit. (laughs) Absolutely. And the following guest isn't shy about that. I have just been watching her journey in absolute awe. She lost her husband eight months ago. Long-term marriage, just so in love, like teenagers. And you watch it on Facebook. You know you watch somebody's life on Facebook. You think, oh, they have it made. Everything's perfect. Their kids are adorable. They're so in love. And you know what? The big C word arrived, that big C word, the big cancer word that we don't want to ever have to face. And then they went into a battle and how she has handled this is an inspiration. And I just wanted to talk to her about her journey. So we welcome to the show, the incredible Sherry Dorsett. Hi there. Hey there. (laughs) It's good to be with you guys. So Sherry, just start from the beginning of the love story. We want to be caught up on just (laughs) where your heart was when you saw him, when you fell for him. You know, the way oh he looked goodness. at you, so all that good stuff. A long time. We actually met when we were 12 years old uh, wow. in, in sixth grade at, in school. I had moved. And um, back then, you know, he was just this cute little chunky faced kid, you know, that blew chocolate milk out of his nose. 
And the, <laughs> as all good boys do. <laughs> so it wasn't like love at first sight or anything, but um, we, we were friends and we started dating our senior year of high school. Uh, we got married when we were 21, started a family. Uh, we've got three wonderful boys. They are two of them are married. One of them's a pastor. Um, and I just got a new grandbaby, but we, uh, we just had one of those relationships that started out as a friendship and just grew from there, uh, through the years. And, um, I don't I just loved him. I just, I just loved him with ever, every fiber of my being. I loved him. And we did not have a perfect marriage or a perfect relationship, but we were perfect for each other. I know you've probably heard people say that, give that statement before. We complimented each other. I was always kind of high strung and wanted everything, you know, in perfect order. And he was very laid back and just, uh, go with the flow. <laughs> and so, so you and Chad, so in love, have kids, everything's going along. And then, you know, you get a diagnosis. What was that like? What happened? We do. We actually, um, it was um, the year of COVID and he started getting sick and uh, he was having like stomach issues. And we really thought that it was more like a um, appendix, gallbladder issue. Took him to the doctor and went to the emergency room and they called me back and said, um, you know, he, he does have some diverticulitis, but we've also found a mass on his kidney. And we need to um, find out what that is. And so that was in December of 2020. And then um, January of uh, 2021, he had uh, the mass removed from his kidney. And then they said they got, they, they got everything. They got the mass. And in February, February 20th, we ended back up in the emergency room and he was very sick again. And they had diagnosed him with stage four uh, renal cell carcinoma. And in that time, it spread, it metastasized to his abdominal walls and to his lungs. Went through several treatments. Uh, he went through immunotherapy and uh, he got really, he got better. He, he, he really got better, and we were able to do a lot of things uh, that we had wanted to do. We went on a trip to Vegas for our 25th wedding anniversary, Aww. and he, had, he was really doing well. And then he had another surgery to remove another mass. And after that, he started a new treatment, and our middle son got married, and he said, you know, Sherry, I'm just not feeling good again. And he had nine really good months. And he was telling, he said, I'm healed. I'm absolutely healed. God has healed me of this. And we were walking in that healing. Both of us were. And he just said, you know, I'm really not feeling good again. And so he went back for another scan. And three days before our middle son got married in December of 2021, they said that the cancer had come back and it was with a vengeance. It, they said it just looked like um, kudzu is the way they described it, just all in his abdominal walls. And so we immediately started a new treatment and um, he started going downhill after that. He, um, he, he really, he had a, he had a tough five months, but he stayed uh, very strong in his faith. I wish I could uh, 
be as strong in my faith as he was. How difficult is it to watch the one you love suffer like that? There's There are not enough words to even describe the pain that you feel. And I have, I'll just go ahead and say, I've carried around a lot of guilt uh, that I am working through because I never got to the point with him where I could say, Chad, it's okay for you to go. The last words I said to him before he passed was when we knew that it was, it was coming to the end. I said, please don't do this to me. Mm. I can't live without you. And um, I think about that. I think about that every day. But I think he knew how much I loved him. And, uh, you know, I think he knew in my heart, he, she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's very difficult. And I've actually watched um, my mother and father-in-law go through losing two sons within 20 years of each other, almost 20 years to the day. And the difference in what they had to go through was, the first son that passed away, he was 23, and he he passed suddenly, and it was unexpected. With this son, they had to watch him suffer. Unbelievable. All right, we have to talk about your faith at yeah. the beginning, in the middle, when he passed, and now. What God has done for you and with you in this process. Oh, wow. Uh, sitting in the hospital room the week before he passed away, it was late at night and I had my journal and I just remember hearing this voice say, are you going to praise me on the mountain, on, on, in the valley as you have on the mountaintop? And I wrote that down. And my immediate response was, well, yes, Lord. You know, not knowing what was going to transpire over the next four days. And I thought about that a lot um, after he passed away. But when he knew that the time was coming to an end and the doctors told us that this is not looking good, I even asked Chad, I said, what do you think about this? And he said, oh, what the doctors just said? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm not worried. He said, you don't need to be either. And I said, well, I need you to explain to me how does praying without ceasing end and fully trusting God begin? And he said, when you know, you know. I didn't understand that. <laughs> And I know for a lot of people, yeah, I know for a lot of people when they, you know, watch their loved ones go through anything or if they themselves go through something, immediately we get angry with God. I did. So, I did. yeah, so so be transparent in that for us for a second, because I, I know that's where I would go if something happened to anyone in my family. I would be mad and I don't I, it would it would take an act of God to get out of that. So what what was that period like and what were your conversations with God? How loud were the screams? I mean, it, it had to be pretty intense. I was very disappointed with God. That is probably the best analogy that I can use because I didn't want to say I'm angry with God because God is good. How could I be angry with him? I was disappointed. I kept saying, God, but you promised me healing for Chad. You promised me a long life with him. You promised me he would see his grandchildren and that we would live a long life together. And I went through a very dark period. I did not get back in the choir church. I 
wasn't wanting to go to church on a regular basis. I wasn't wanting to write. I wasn't wanting to read my Bible. I was just very disappointed. I felt like a little kid sitting in the corner sucking my thumb saying, you know, God, you made me a promise. And now you have broken that promise and I'm disappointed and I just want to pout. Hmm. So and where did you go from there? <laughs> a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer. And I've learned growing up, I was always told, you don't ask God questions. You know, what? You, you don't ask God why. Just because, you know, God does what he does because. But I've learned that it's okay to ask God questions. You don't ever question his his power or his authority. But it's okay to ask him a question. It's okay to ask him why. And I got to the realization he reminded me, my own son asked me why when he was on the cross. He asked me why. Why have you forsaken me? So I get, he, he gets it when we understand. I felt forsaken. I felt like God had just forgotten about me. I had asked him for all of these things and he had let me down. And then he reminded me, I said, God, why did you take Chad away from me? And one night he just said, Sherry, I didn't take Chad away from you. I took Chad away from the pain. <laughs> That's powerful. That's powerful. And then I was, I thought, you know, Sherry, you don't know the conversations Chad had with God on his own. Why would God honor me begging him, you know, and pray, please, God, don't let him die. Don't let him leave me. Chad could have been there saying, hey, I'm ready. I've lived a good life. You know, I've gone through this pain because later I found out through a friend that he he told a friend, he said, I've asked God for two things. He said, I've asked God not to allow me to suffer and not to allow me to be a burden to Sherry and our boys. And God honored his prayer. Sherry, what yes. were your conversations with the kids like? Oh, wow. With my oldest son being a pastor... <laughs> We've had a lot of deep heart-to-heart -heart talks. He's my oldest. Uh, we kind of get each other a little more, I guess, than the younger two. Um, but I, I've really, I've been concerned about my boys because they kind of uh, keep a lot of their uh, feelings hidden. You know, they don't just come right out and just word vomit like I do with everything, you know. But um the oldest one, he, he's really had um, he, he's really had a lot of insight on this and helping me through it and helping his brothers through it. And we've all had some very, you know, deep conversations of, you know, do you miss your dad? What is, you know, things that you've learned from your dad or, you know, were there things that you wish conversations you wish you would have had? And actually, my middle son, he called me a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, my first year of marriage was my dad getting sicker and dying. Ooh. He said there was so much more I needed to ask him and learn from him. And he said, I don't have that anymore. And so you go through those stages of, you know, you, you love your children, but I can't give him the advice that my husband could, you know, about, about 
being married, you know, being a husband and being father and, and doing different things. And so um, I've just prayed for, for God to send godly men into their lives that can kind of fill that, fill that gap. But they, they have struggled some with this in their own way. Uh, that is the thing about grief. Uh, I was getting my feelings hurt because I wanted to be able to live my life too. But, you know, their life didn't change. Mine did. You know, my my life's the one that changed, and I was going to have to deal with that instead of everybody else feeling as sad as I was. You know, I didn't need to drag them down with me. Mm. You know, they were just trying to, you know, to lift me up. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. If somebody asks you if you're okay, it's okay to say no. Mm. I am not okay. I'm not having a good day. I'm not dealing with this well. Our first response is, yeah, I'm okay. You know, everything's good. You don't need to check on me. Um, you know, I'm fine. I'm dealing with this. Uh, but sometimes it's okay to just stand up and say, you know, I am. No, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. So, Sherry, you were mad at God and you were not okay. And you didn't even want to talk to him sometimes. Yeah. But but you say he pursued you. He did. He did. I I started building this wall and uh, I could hear God, you know, nudging at me and, and calling me. And I would be like, no, I don't want to talk to you today. I'm still upset. Can't deal. Not, not going to do it. I'm just going to be sad. We're not going to talk about this. And he, <laughs> he just kept, he just kept coming after me. And uh, I told someone the other day, I said, you know, I said, when you get to a place where you can be content with it just being you and God, that that says a lot. And he just kept on me. He he kept on me and on me. And finally, one day it was just like I just fell into his arms. That's just the best description is that I just fell into his arms and I just fell apart with God. And he uses people sometimes to speak to you. Sometimes he doesn't speak to you audibly. He uses someone else. And there's this sweet lady at church. I won't give her name, but she had lost a daughter to suicide. And she said when she was having several different moments in her life that God gave her a message. And he said, you don't need to be so attached to the life that you had with your daughter here on earth. You need to be looking towards the life you will have with her in eternity. Mm. And when she said that to me, man, I, I called my son that night and I said, Whew, the blinders have been lifted and, and I can see the light. And he said, Mom, what is it? And I said, I had a great life here on earth with your dad. But think about the life I'm going to have with him in eternity. And that's where he is. And he's he's waiting for us. And I've got to start looking forward to that day. I got to stop living so much in the past of what we had and what we could have had and look forward to what we're going to have one day. Well, there's a miraculous story that you shared regarding your brand new baby granddaughter. It's, it's a beautiful story. Um, my children, um, my oldest son and his wife uh, had some trouble uh, in their marriage, uh, having a baby, they had uh, a couple of miscarriages and uh, we were just praying fervently for, for a child. And I've got my husband's prayer journal. He would write in his prayer journal, you know, 
I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for Drake and Taylor to have a baby. And uh, about two weeks before he passed away, he was getting bad, and we had a hospital bed set up in the house. And he he always liked to joke around a lot, but when he got serious, you knew it. He would really get your attention. You know, I'm hold on to this. I'm fixing to tell you something. And he said, uh, Sherry, he said, I've seen our grandbaby. And I said, oh, you have? And he said, no, I've I've seen her. I've seen her. And I said, okay. And he said, oh, he said, she's so pretty. She's got dark curly hair and chubby cheeks and dark eyes. And I said, well, when's she coming? And he said, she'll be here soon. He said, I I don't know when, but she'll be here soon. Two weeks after that, um, he passed away. But he had told my son and he had told his mother the same thing. And when he would get sick, we would say, tell us about the grandbaby. So he wouldn't, you know, want to just lose it on us. You know, tell us about the grandbaby. And he would start telling us about her. And uh, this is just God. When my children came and told me that they were having a baby, my daughter-in-law was 13 weeks pregnant and my husband had been gone 11 weeks. It all lined up (laughs) perfectly. And. There is nobody on this earth that can't convince me that God did not give him a glimpse of that baby girl to let him know that she was on her way. And I believe because when he passed, there was so much peace. There was just so much peace. He actually looked like he was smiling Hmm. when he passed. And I truly believe that God gave him a glimpse of that to say that baby's coming. Your wife and your kids are going to be fine. Hmm. It's okay to let go. You know, and Sherry, uh, your words I know are helping those that are grieving, but I know as anyone that wants to help someone who's going through grief of passing or any kind of anything, what can we as believers or as our community rally around someone when they go through that? Uh, Don't actually overcrowd a person. If that makes any sense, you've got to give them their space. Uh, let them know that you're there for them uh, and, and check on them. And, and, and it's okay if they want to be alone, but it's not okay for them to get into this this dark place. So I highly recommend getting into a grief um, support group or seeing a grief counselor. Both of those have helped me tremendously. Find you a group of widows or widowers or or a group of um, anyone that's lost someone, you're going to have something in common with them and you can relate on a different level than you can with anyone else. Because as much as people, they mean well when they say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm I'm praying for you, I know how you feel. Unless they've been through it, they really don't. Hmm. And just to know that you've got people on your side that actually know how you feel and they can just give you a hug. And those tears that you're crying and that they're crying is just so real because you've both gone through the same emotions and feelings with experiencing this loss and just wanting to understand and wanting answers to questions that you may never get this side of heaven. But if you have someone that just understands where you've been that has made all the difference in the world. Find you a good, there are support groups on Facebook. If you are not a person to get out and go and meet people, there are grief support groups on Facebook that you can get involved in. 
there are several churches you can go to, wonderful counselors that are out there. Big shout out to mine, Terry Williams. <laughs> he was great. And um, that, that, that would be the, the main thing that I would say is get you someone you can talk to. They say that every day does not get easier. Is that true? It's true. It doesn't get any easier. It gets more tolerable. It gets more tolerable, but you cannot even make it to the point of toleration if you're not fully depending on God. And I saw myself getting in in that where I was just getting into that dark place, not wanting to talk to God. And it was it was going to drag me down to a place where I, I did not need to be, where I didn't want to be. And it, it, it gets more tolerable, but you have to you have to communi- communicate with God on a daily basis. Don't shut him out. He, he he's there for you. He loves you. I've posted scriptures on my walls just so I can see them to be reminded of his faithfulness. And it no, it does not get easier because I miss my husband every single day. When the baby was born, I just sat there and said, you know, he should be here. And then it was almost like I got a tap on the shoulder and said, he is. Amen. Mm. Oh, that's so sweet, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not an expert by any means. I've just got my own uh, story. Mm. And I think sometimes just hearing what other people are going through just helps you tremendously. You're a great woman of God. And this was a hard thing to do. But I I just ask people to do hard things. And uh, I'm so pleased that you talked to God about it and he gave you the green light. (laughs) And I'm so pleased that that what you've shared today, it really helps people. People think they have to be perfect or they have to hide. They can't be sad. They can't be vulnerable. They can't have to tell you, like you said, I'm okay. But the thing about you, you shine bright for the Lord. You really do. And this is proof. And uh, I think you're amazing. And I thank you. I'm really touched by Rachel Joy and the story of Chad. Chad saw her. I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) He saw her. I've actually started her a a scrapbook because uh, he had a lot of friends in the community. He was a, a coach in the community and he did he did a lot of things in youth sports and i have a scrapbook started for people that knew him children he coached through the years guys that he coached with some of his co-workers and we're starting a scrapbook for her for for memories because she'll know about him from us but knowing about him from other people's perspectives that's that's a lot different it's a great so idea we uh we actually we want to um keep his memory alive Chad Dorset, an amazing father and husband and coach and friend and son. And yeah. we enjoyed getting to hear more about him. Thank you so much, Sherry Dorset. You're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> love you guys. Y'all we are love great. you. Sherry's testimony, so amazing. Thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, share, Sherry, but also uh, those listening. Uh, hopefully you got something out of it and uh, it helps you in whatever grief you may be going through. The time that I have with you is spectacular. Thank you, friend. Mm. I've enjoyed this thoroughly, and I can't wait to see you again. Yeah, have a great week. I love you. I love you, too. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. 
To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.